Hello and welcome back to Podcast from the Edge with me, Peter Bruce. It's been a while and I apologize. Running a podcast, they all said, would be easy. Well, they were wrong. Coming to the end of the year, I realize we will soon be in the silly season. If we aren't already, one big clue that we might be was the present the other day of 405 kVA petrol generators from China the other day. Now, these are supposed to um, help us out with uh, load shedding to power schools and hospitals when ESCOM can't. Um, I'm not even sure, you know, what to think of this. I mean, I, it, it, I know that it was Electricity Minister Khotienso Ramakhopa himself um, uh, who went to China earlier this year and came back promising Chinese help. <laughs> who, uh, uh, you know, the fact that we've got all these generators, the kind of thing you'd find in, you know, a game store or um, or macro or builders, um, uh it's sort of charity, I suppose. China Aid, say the stickers on each generator. And the good minister himself was on hand to welcome the new generators. But I digress. The big political news to break is quite serious. And the Sunday Times led with it just the other day. Um, Jardine and DA Poll Talks read the front page headline, suggesting that former business leader uh, Roger Jardine, backed by a, an awful lot of money, is looking for a political home with the idea of becoming president. Um, this is the political idea being those of his funders. Should the ANC fall sufficiently below 50% of the vote in next year's election? It's tricky because the DA is now part of a multi-party charter, something of its really of its own invention or device, which now includes a string of smaller opposition groups, including Encarta, Freedom Front Plus, Action SA, African Democrats, Christian Democrats, and others. Could they possibly all agree now ahead of an election on a common candidate to nominate for president should the chance arise? Who knows? Fortunately, one of the smartest politicians or political minds in the country is the chief whip of the Freedom Front Plus, and obviously an MP as well. So thank you, Courtney Mulder, for joining me today. It's a real pleasure to have you on the podcast. And I wonder, what was your first reaction to the Sunday Times story? You're kind of in this multi-party charter. Was the story accurate? Yes, good afternoon, Peter, and thank you very much for the opportunity to participate. I think it's very important that we do discuss these issues because they are very pertinent and they are going to become more important as we go into 2024. Now, I must be honest, Honest, um, I saw the, uh, the article in the Sunday Times yesterday, and it's about, I would say, a month ago that I, for the first time, heard the idea that uh, Mr. Jadin become the president. And I'm honest to say, um, I'm quite involved in politics uh, for many many years and i was not i haven't heard about him i haven't heard his name ever before that doesn't mean that he's not a very competent person and that he couldn't perhaps do the job but i didn't hear I, I, he was not well known and i didn't i don't know him at all but if i can come to the sunday times article of yesterday i did have a look at the article i read through it and um, the interesting thing is this i first would like to welcome the fact that many South Africans across the spectrum are at the moment trying to assist in terms of trying to turn this country around. And I think that's constructive and that's very positive. Also, if there are business people out there that would like to support and put money behind and to change South Africa and to turn it around, I think that should be welcomed. And um, many individuals and uh, people in the business community, in civic society, in the media, all of them are on this uh, attempt. My concern, however, is that we should do it in the right way because if we do it in a wrong way we will not get the necessary result yeah. and we shouldn't underestimate the ruling party 
at the moment. They are very much in power and they are not going to voluntarily just let go of power. So if we do this, we have to do it absolutely in the right way. And I'm not convinced that this proposal is going to bring us to where we need to be. I mean, could the tell us a little bit about what you know about the multi-party charter. I mean, could it agree on a candidate now ahead of the elections? Uh, you know, I think your own party leader, Peter Krunewald, no. um, a couple of months ago, um, sort of half endorsed the IFP leader, Velenkosini Slabisa, as the sort of, you know, the kind of person who you might want um, uh, to lead the country after the election should the opposition get that opportunity. Um, what's what's wrong with deciding now? On let, 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 me, try to, let yeah. me try to explain from my perspective. I think you'll remember that when the Democratic Alliance had their federal conference, I think it was in April, yeah. um, Mr. announced at that stage what they call the Moonshot Pact, which is Democratic yeah. Party initiative. Um, I, I didn't think it was a very good idea. Why I didn't think so was because it was a one-sided thing coming from one political party. And the reality is that one single party is not going to succeed in getting the majority of the vote to take uh, over and form a new government. Whatever we want to do, it will have to be a coalition. Now, luckily, there were discussions since then, and it ended up in um, about three, a few months ago in August, when we agreed to change the uh, Moonshot Pact to uh, something new, which was now known as a multi-party charter for South Africa, consisting yeah. of a couple of political parties. And what needs to be understood is the following, that the multi-party charter is not a coalition. It is a pre-election cooperation arrangement between different political parties that say that we share the same values, we say, share the same uh, vision, we say share the same priorities, etc. And who commit themselves under their signatures that after the election, if it's possible for them to form a coalition government, they will actually do so, they will form such a coalition. Now, if you look at the current situation, we people must understand the electoral system. Our electoral system, we don't have a presidential electoral system like we've got in the United States or even in France. We are not going to have a ballot situation where you have on the ballot a, a President Biden and a former President Trump and now people decide, or a Macron or Marie Le Pen. It's not going to happen. We don't have a presidential system of election. So it's, it's, it doesn't make sense now to try and put people up as the president or the, to get people to support this or that person to become the president. The reality is we have to understand the constitutional dispensation. After the election has come and gone, what will happen is the following. The Electoral Commission will announce 400 names and they will say these 400 individuals, they are the members that constitute the Parliament of South Africa. And then the Constitution says that within 14 days, we need to come together at Parliament, we need to elect a speaker amongst ourselves, and we need to elect a president. And the Constitution is clear, the president must be one of those 400 individuals. Yeah. Once elected the speaker, uh, the president, that person then resigns as a member of Parliament, he or she becomes the president, assumes the office with all the powers and whatever goes with the office, and somebody else moves into that position. So if you want to identify somebody from outside current party politics, politics, you basically have one of two options. The one is for such a person to go and find a new political party, which does not exist at this moment. 
And if some people in the business community would like to put a huge amount of money behind that, that may be so, but we must just take cognizance of the political reality. It would mean that such a person, and well, my prediction is that the election will be approximately in six months from now. We are looking mm -hmm. at the date most likely of the 22nd of May. So what will be expected is for such a person to go and found a new, new party with a new name, with a new logo, with no political track record, with no structures, with no nothing. And then that party should be so popular that would expect that to happen. It should be so popular that a huge constituency of the DA from the Freedom Front Plus, from the IFP, from the ANC, all leave their parties and join this new entity to make it strong so that that person can become the president. Now, if you're involved in politics, and I've been all my life, you will know that that is simply not going to happen. Parties are not going to leave, people are not going to leave their parties. They're not going to follow quickly and, and, and support whoever that may be. Yeah. Um, you, you cannot parachute somebody, whoever that may be, whoever competent that person may be, just from outside into the political system. And I, I, with all due respect, I've seen attempts uh, to do that. Let me give you one example. Some years ago, there was a quite an astute business person named Dr. Louis Leut. And he was quite well known for whatever he did. And he then said, well, what's going on in politics? It's time that somebody like myself get into this and go and sort this out. And he found that the, his own party it was called the Federal Alliance. He had his own campaign with his funds. He ended up with getting two people elected, himself and uh, it was Mr. Cry for Nikad, former minister. And the two of them came to Parliament, but Parliament consists of 400 members. Yeah. And once you get there, he was a backbencher because he's a new member. He had to sit right yeah. at the back and he had about two minutes speaking time. And he was allowed to say what he wanted to say. And then they said, thank you very much. Sit down. Next speaker, go on with the job. So the problem is, my, what I've seen is it's very unlikely that if you parachute a person from outside politics into the system, that yeah. it just happens to be a wonderful medical process. So that's not, it's very unlikely. Cornet, can I just posit a, a, a scenario, though, accepting completely that we don't run presidential uh, systems in South Africa, accepting the multi-party system that we have here, is it not nonetheless possible? Because the, the amount of money behind this Roger Jardine has been estimated to be up to a billion rand. Um, would it not be possible, the the electoral laws notwithstanding, to tr if not to actually run it as a presidential campaign, but to treat it as one. In other words, all of the parties, let's say in the pact, you all agree that um, uh, Roger Jardine will be funded to stand as an independent candidate on his own. He doesn't need to form a party. He just needs to register and get the right number of signatures. It's quite a lot. Um, the court, I think the, the um, Supreme Court is dealing, the Constitutional Court is going to uh, say something about um, independent candidates later this week where all of you agree that Roger Jardine is the face you put on the ballot box. Roger Jardine is the face you put on your posters. Roger Jardine then becomes the face of your election campaign. You know, all you have to do, you're only going up against Sor Ramaphosa. You know, this is not the most uh, necessarily popular man or successful politician in the country at the moment. What you, what you threaten to do now is to have a fragmented election campaign in terms of posters and parties and all of that kind. You can still, as you do, savage each other uh, politically day after day, even in the pact. Um, but, you know, for the voters, what you're trying to do, I suppose, is get to 201 seats 
of the 400 or 210 just to make it safe. Um, Correct. Surely, surely, you know, treating it like a mass campaign with all that money behind it, isn't it? Isn't it a bit precious to say no, no, no? We all got to, you know, we're going to fight it as if it was a normal election. Then afterwards, we'll see how well we've done and get to, you know, can't you be more proactive and yes, say, uh, yeah. We absolutely can. We definitely can. I think there is a compromise possible, but then we need to do it in the right way. And I think the multi-party charter is an excellent vehicle to get exactly mm -hmm. to that. What is the vision there? And you've mentioned the 210. That's I'm also working on 210. I'm, okay. I'm talking about Project 210. Why? We need okay. to get 100 plus to get to a majority to get the person elected as president. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, if, if, for example, Mr. Jardine would stand as an independent, you can only elect him as an individual, as an independent. And whether he's going to get 50,000 votes or 10 million votes, you're still going to elect one person as himself, as the independent, and he's elected with a vast majority of votes. The other votes will be wasted. So that's not a good idea. But it gets him into parliament. It gets him to be an MP. It gets him to be an MP. But if, unless the grouping of people that support him also get many members of parliament elected that takes us beyond 200 we can't elect anyone as president so, so yes he can get into parliament but combined we will need more than 200 seats to get him even let's say we elect him we will need to get more than 200 seats to get him elected if i can explain it that way so no, what I, I think what the thing would be is and I've, I've got i really think i know what the answer should be and what we yeah. should do is the following the idea of the multi-party charter is an excellent idea. And that's why we've got eight political parties currently members of the multi-party charter. We've got some uh, applications from further political parties that would like to apply and become members, which is an excellent thing. My prediction is that after the election, we're going to end up with, let's say we get to 210. It's possible. The majority of those will come from the multi-party charter group of political parties. And I think that is yeah. very important to get to that point. Then secondly, then secondly, there will be some members that will come from political parties from outside the multi-party charter, but to share the same values and the same ideas, and we can combine and form a coalition government, and let's say we get to 210, and then we need to elect a president. And if Mr. Jardine is the right person in terms of qualifications and support of all the political parties, there's no reason why we can't agree amongst ourselves at that stage to put his name forward and if all the parties support that candidate, he can still become the president. It's possible. But in order to get to that point, we first need the different political parties to go out to their specific constituencies and maximize the absolute maximum amount of votes that they can garner from their support base. Yeah. So what we, what we can do is to say, here are the Democratic Alliance. This is the Freedom Front Plus. This is our poster. This is our message, etc., etc. What I would like to see is that the multi-party charter does have its own logo and that that logo should then also be on the posters of the different political parties that say vote for the party of your choice i don't i'm not going to prescribe but you know that your party is part of the multi-party charter and we take undertake to one another that after the election we will form a coalition if possible it could be if it can be negotiated to say and if we get to that point we all intend to support Mr. Jardine as a as a presidential candidate. It could be done. It could be negotiated if parties do agree to that. All yeah. I'm saying is that business wants to put that kind of amount of money behind such a project. They should just look a bit 
little bit further to say we're not putting the money behind one individual, Mr. Jardine. Yeah. This money behind this total movement across South Africa from political parties, civic society, the media, to get us to change where we can form a new coalition government. And part of that arrangement could be that we agree that we all will support this individual as a candidate. So the way would be either you should stand as an independent and get elected, that's fine. But then it would be wasteful expenditure with all due respect to spend a billion rand to get one person elected as one member of parliament. And if we don't get okay. it, we will not succeed. So, let, okay, let me put a variation on my scenario. The, the variation is this, that they spend 100 million rand getting Roger Jardine into parliament as an MP, as an individual. They spend the other 900 million on you guys, okay, on, yes. on, on the members of the, on yes. the opposition parties so they can get out and campaign really effectively, right? I mean, yes. I had a look at yes. the latest uh, declarations of party support. There were, you know, very small amounts of money. It must be very difficult uh, running a national election yeah. campaign. But in order, you know, for, for yeah. the Freedom Front Plus or the DA to get 100 million rand in their pockets for the election, businesses, the people who are funding are going to want something in return. Now, they're going to yes. want you to say, you know, they're, they're first of all going to ask you, you know, it's all very well putting the multi-party charter logo next to, the, next to your party on the ballot paper. What about, what about a photograph of our guy? You know, can you, what, buys, what buys you, can your support for Roger Jardine be bought by political funding? I think, I think now, you're start, now we are talking. In other words, instead of spending the whole amount on one person, let's yeah. spend enough money to get that individual elected and they've got certain trust in him that he can do the job. That's fine. Yeah. But the rest of the money should be allocated in a way that we get ourselves through the support of the different political parties to a majority of 210. Without that, we yeah. can't elect one individual. So that's sure. absolutely correct. And part of that money should, as far as I'm concerned, go to civil society to, 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 to run a campaign, to get yeah. people registered, to get the message across, etc., etc. It should go further. There should be interaction between the political parties, the multi-party charter, and the donors in terms of policy. What do we agree about policy? Because the multi-party charter is basically a pact to say to the electorate, we undertake to govern and form a government in terms of these sound policies if you are prepared to support these parties to get us into government. It could become part of that broader principle and that broader whole uh, situation. Yeah. So I think it's possible. It's possible. One must understand that the, the parties obviously are campaigning to get as much support for themselves and they would say yeah. our leader is this, that. That is fine. The other thing that the, the donor should understand as well is this. Because the future is going to be coalitions, governments are going to be collective leadership going forward. You may have one person almost as a symbol, like Mr. Mandela was perhaps a symbol. But in, in coalition governments, you're going to have collective leadership. South Africa is not a company where you can just parachute a CEO into as if it's a company to say, I'm the CEO, I hire and fire, etc., etc. You need to work with political mandates and keep people together and take them forward. And the best kind of government will be a collective leadership. You will have one president, but there will be a vice president, a leader of government business. There will be the executive where you can accommodate all these aspects. And yeah. a wise president will make use of collective leadership. It can be negotiated if we do it the right way. But, you know, if you're an ordinary voter like me, um, and watching watching the members of the multi-party uh, um, charter uh, approach the election, particularly, I suppose, the, the acrimony between the DA and Action SA, particularly 
Michael Beaumont at the moment in Johannesburg blaming the DA for not joining, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, you you, you all, in a way, uh, you know, in any election, you fundamentally oppose each other. Um, you're not trying to take votes away from the ANC. Neither is Action SA. You're all trying to take votes away from the DA. Or, in other words, you you your own you you're all opponents in this election. What 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 a billion rand is asking of you is can you just not can you just stop all that now please and and work you know he has a hundred he has a hundred million rand or whatever it might be ninety fifty whatever it's still a lot of money he has to just you know work on a plan that's unified not after the election but before so we can get some sort of movement going because if it's just going to be another election and there's a sort of agreement to do something after it well it's just the same old stuff again isn't it. You see, you've got one or two alternatives. And I agree, I, what you're saying makes absolutely sense. You've got one or two alternatives. Either you agree before the election and you come to an agreement and you create one political entity that participates in the election with one leader or one candidate. Let's say, for example, the multi-party charter goes out and registers as a political entity. And the multi-party charter is the vehicle that will be on the ballot and their candidate will be Roger Jardine. That's one option. But that would entail then that the that's current political parties, well, yeah, absolutely, and the political parties don't participate, and that's not going to work. Unfortunately, no. it's not going to happen. But no. the alternative would be, and and it doesn't have to be. And I accept that we are saying in terms of the acrimony between parties, there needs to be a very responsible understanding that each one of us go out and garnish the maximum support in our specific target market. For example. The Freedom Front Plus will participate in KZN and we are going to participate and we hope to get some seats in KZN. But I'm realistic. The party that's got the best opportunity to be the most successful in KZN is going to be the IFP. Most likely, if you talk about parties in opposition to the ANC. Yeah. If you look at certain voters, look at their political approach to politics from a more religious perspective, those people will, will vote for the ACDP. Let them vote for the ACDP because those votes are not lost the people that get elected will come back with those votes into a coalition where we come to, together, etc. The Freedom Front Plus focuses on the minority issues, etc. We go out to those communities. We will bring those votes and those representatives into a coalition. We, what we need to do is, and I've said that in the past, I've identified four target groups. And the party should sit around the table. And I've got no problem if big business becomes part of this discussion to say we are going to give them money. But we want to know what you're going to do with our money, obviously, and we want to have a say in terms of what's going to happen in terms of a government afterwards. Yeah. I've identified four target groups that we need to focus on. The first one, obviously, is the youth, young people between 18 and 35 who are skeptical and have stood away from the political system. And the problem is the first registration weekend has come and gone. We've got one opportunity left in terms of a registration weekend to get those young people enthusiastic and to get out. That should be a combined target for all of us. Uh, I think the next weekend will be the 3rd and 4th of February. That's the first group. The second group are older people, my generation, who are disillusioned and have opted out of the system and say, we're not going to participate. We need to convince them, you have to participate, you can make a difference. The third group, I would say, and our estimates are that there may be up to one third of young and other ANC supporters who are disillusioned with their own party, who opted not to vote during the local elections in 2021. But the the challenge now is to get them now to vote, but not for the ANC. And then we must understand 
that most of them are unlikely to vote for a current party like the DA or FF Plus or the ACDP. They need a different vehicle. But there yeah. are different there are parties outside the charter who will target those uh, part of the electorate and can bring them back into the system in a coalition. The what if they've, got, the last, if they've got the money to do it? If they've got the money and the support to do it, they need to be co- to empowered to do that. Absolutely. I'm talking about the Rise and Zanzi. I'm talking yeah. about Boza. I'm talking about other parties, and we can talk about the Patriotic Alliance. That's also a factor sure. that we have to No, absolutely. Absolutely. So, absolutely. So, and then the, fourth, right. the last group are expats outside who can vote. One vote will make the difference here. Yeah, yeah. How many, how many, how many seats currently does the? I'm sorry, I should know this. Does the opposition hold in that 400 seat parliament? I mean, how 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 many? How far away is 210? Um, let me try to put it this way: the ANC currently has got 230, two three okay. zero four hundred. Which right. gives them, I think, fifty-seven percent or somewhere around there. They've got so fifteen seats, and they can and make the, can make the difference. Yes, it can make the difference, and and that's why I say that each one should be. Let's empower this movement. I've spoken in the past about like almost like we have the UDF, and that's why the civil society is so very important. And yeah. I'm optimistic that a lot of good work is being done. People have brought together a number of civic organizations. They've came together in Convergence for South Africa. But they should also be empowered to take the message out there and to say to people, you must register, you must get out and vote. And I almost make, I look at the rugby thing, and the rugby is so important for South Africans. Yeah. Say those three crucial games, the quarterfinal, the semifinal, the final, we all won those with one point. Yeah. One vote again can make the difference. One yeah. seat can make the difference in in this coming election. Yeah, what um, you you mentioned the other parties going out and sort of challenging the ANC directly, apart from Inkata in uh, uh, in KwaZulu, and you mentioned Ratham Zansi and Bosa, that's uh, Songeza Zibi and Musi Maimane. They they've been rather ignored. Well, first of all, they've decided not to at the moment uh, throw their lot in with the multi-party charter and. I think not unreasonably because they're operating in a completely different sphere to where you are. They're in rural South Africa and you simply cannot go into rural South Africa, you know, with a picture of, with a news, with, with, you know, yesterday's daily dispatch showing you having a tea with John Steenhuisen. I mean, it's not going to, it's not going to work for you. Um, How do you, how do you, how does, you know, the, let's take from the billion rand. I mean, what can we do to those parties to give them some real clout? You know, they need money. Um, absolutely. To, to, uh, this is a big country. To difficult absolutely. Place. My vision is we need to get to 210, which mm. I call of the good people. Yeah. And we need to get to 210 of the good people who want to change this country around. The majority will likely come from the charter, but others will come from different parties all supporting the good ideas and we can put a government together. Mm. My appeal would be to business and other donors, let's sit down, let's discuss this as a strategy where we get involved representatives of these political parties, representatives of civil society, representatives of the media that support this, representatives of big business, and plan a strategy. How do we use this to empower the different components so that they can fulfill their challenges and get us to 210? And as you correctly point out, for example, in the charter, we've got one of the parties is Isanku. It's a small rural civic organization, yeah. but they're quite effective. They don't have the means. But if we can empower them, 
they can go into regions where none of the other parties in terms of the larger parties will have any traction. But they do have traction and they can take some votes away from there. Yeah. Yeah. They need to be empowered. And it's no use. I, I sometimes use the example, you can throw a billion rand in marketing behind one toothpaste, Colgate. You're not going to knock out the other toothpaste brands by putting all the marketing into one product. Yeah. Let's sit down and see how do we get to 210. Um, and those things can be agreed, it can be negotiated, and if if Mr. Jardine is the best person for the job, he needs to get elected to Parliament, either as an independent or by joining one of these parties, get on a list, get elected, and get and convince people. And, and then in the end, I still believe, and it, it's not a problem, it's a, it's a, a positive, it, there will be a collective leadership, and that's why I also feel very strongly about coalitions. I always yeah. get nervous when any one single party says, only us. It's yeah, never no, for sure. Yeah, it's never. Yeah. Opposed. So, so Courtney, um, 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 business itself seems to me to want very specific outcomes here. It wants a set of, uh, not that it said anything, but this is my impression. Talking to people, they want cast iron guarantees that certain policies will be, you know, probably privatization or whatever, or more. You know, a bigger role for business, a bigger say for business, less government, um, uh, um, and there are obviously things on the on the in, on the sort of flight path that worry people. And the health insurance uh, 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 policy about to go through uh, Parliament. What can? How do you talk to business? I mean, is there are there three or four people who are really leading? You know, who's got the billion rand? Well, it's a it, is the billion rand in just a few hands, or is it in a wide, in your in your in your impression? I mean, when you speak to business, do they make sense, or are they being too precious? I think I think the first hurdle that big business needs to get over is the following: they need to cross the Rubicon themselves to realize and understand they could be a South Africa beyond the ANC or after the ANC. I know we've been for 30 years now under the ANC government, but big business needs to understand that we can create a successful, flourishing, economic stable, economic growth country beyond the ANC. That's the first Rubicon that they need to cross over. And once they've done that, let we engage. Because I think the things that are very essential and crucial for business in South Africa are exactly what is on the menu and on the manifesto ideas of the Charter themselves and these political parties. And that has been the big divide between ourselves and the ANC for 30 years. How do you get the economy to grow? How do you create jobs? I've sat in numerous political parliamentary committees where officials would come in and then the ANC would ask them, how many jobs have you created in the department? That's not job creation. That's just a division of tax money. And we've always said the opposite should be, we should have less government, we should have smaller government, and allow the forces of the free market to take its course, recognizing the challenges of South Africa, but get privatization going, give a situation where we can get the economy to grow. And obviously, if nobody can expect of the business community to put that kind of money into a process. Um, and don't have certain agreement and set, set certain guarantees. So what we need is we need to negotiate an agreement, a pact, that we will put this money into this process and we are involved and hands-on. The parties undertake and makes the same agreement to the electorate to say, if you support us, 
these are the policies that we will implement to the benefit of not only the economic development of South Africa and job growth, but also to the benefit of the electorate. That could create a win-win South Africa and turn the whole thing around. But we all need to take that step and cross that Rubicon. Yeah. So on the other side of the coalition uh, discussion is uh, uh, the ANC, uh, possibly also the economic freedom fighters. What, what? Uh, my impression, my gut feeling is that that's not a happy alliance, and that's not going to happen, even if, even if, it becomes uh, uh, feasible or, or necessary for some sort of ANC survival. How do you see? How do you see the ANC behaving post? let's say, an election loss in the sense that it gets 45% of the vote? Yes. Well, first of all, I always say that we must, we should never underestimate the ANC. The ANC is not going to voluntarily just let go of political power. They will do what they can to try and retain power. And we saw that when the deputy president made certain proposals when he had his debate or his, his convention on coalitions. He wanted to come with legislation that says, regardless, the largest party must form part of a coalition. Now, it doesn't work that way. A larger party can be in opposition if other parties can combine. But I think you're absolutely right. The The relationship between the ANC and the EFF is not a happy one. It's a very unhappy one. It's a very unstable one, which is most likely to fall apart rather sooner than later. So my prediction would be if the ANC falls below 50%, and it's most likely that that's going to happen if you look at the opinion polls, I think the first option would be that they try to form a government and get to a majority with what I would like to call, politically speaking, the rats and mice. So are the small little entity parties um, trying to co-opt one or two parties, Al-Jamaa, give them a deputy minister of water, um, and the maybe the UDM, uh, COPE won't be there most likely, and try to get beyond 50% by doing that. That would be the first option, and then just to continue as is. The second option would be a little bit more complicated if they go below a certain percentage. They will have to look at bigger partners and try to entice parties to participate. There is a suggestion that is sometimes mooted, and I know that uh, there's a huge reaction to that, that the ANC could come and say, well, in the interest of South Africa, we call on the DA to go into a government of national unity with the ANC. It could happen, and we need to be prepared for that. Well, I was going to uh, ask you DA, about that. Just yeah. Yes. Does the DA know what it would do? Well, the DA denies that very vehemently, uh, but one must very listen carefully. The DA quite clearly says yes. enemy number one is the EFF. Yeah. It doesn't say the ANC. And I've responded yeah. to that and say, well, all the problems we've got at the moment are coming from the ANC. The EFF has never governed this country. But the DA could perhaps step forward. I know they deny that and they say it's not going to happen and mm -hmm. say, in order to keep the EFF evil out of power, we have got no choice to form a government of national. That's a, it could happen. Yeah. Um, and, and there may be other permutations, parties that cruised beyond. Uh, I don't know. I think the last option for the ANC would be to go into a coalition with the EFF. Yeah, and then one, one must understand what is, what is most likely going to happen. You may have different permutations of parties cooperating on different levels. We're talking about the national government, but we're also yeah. talking about provincial governments where we will have perhaps different permutations of parties coming together and forming a government. Yeah. Just one last question, um, or two two last questions. First of all, the position of the Patriotic Alliance, Gaten McKenzie's party, um, where is he, is he, would he be welcome in the, in the multi-party charter? Because he keeps saying that's where he belongs. Um, uh, 
the DA is very anti uh, the Patrick Alliance. They don't trust him. They think he's unreliable. And to an extent, you can understand that because where he where he's gone over and enabled uh, ANC local governments, Neisner, Johannesburg, they haven't gone very well at all. I mean, Neisner is quite quietly going, you know, going rotten. Um, yes. How do you deal with someone like Gaten McKenzie with his party? What what happens? Right. Yes, let me try to respond to that one. I've got a good relationship with Gaten McKenzie, yeah. and whether anybody likes it or not, the Patriotic Alliance is going to be a kingmaker role player in the coming election. The election results indicate that. If you look at the local government by-elections that we've seen in various communities, and the interesting thing is this, they are taking wards from the ANC and they've taken wards from the Democratic Alliance on both sides. Yeah. And the party is growing. It's going to be a realistic factor. Now, the interesting thing is this. when After we signed the, the multi-party charter agreement in, in August, the next two days later, we were approached by the Patriotic Alliance. They said, we've gone through your documentation. We agree 100% with what you are saying. We would like to join and sign and become part of the multi-party charter. But then they said... It will look silly because we are still in a working arrangement with the ANC in Johannesburg, in Kebecha, in other places. So what we want to do is let's talk in terms of how we can break that relationship and then become part of the multi-party charter. The problem is that the multi-party charter take consensus decisions and the DA flatly refused to talk to them. I couldn't get the parties around the table to even talk to discuss how we deal with this issue. Now, it's not going to change. It's absolutely clear that the Democratic Alliance doesn't want to have anything to do with the Patriotic Alliance. And I think I've got my own views why. Unreliability and all those things are part of that. But I think it's on a different level. I think the Patriotic Alliance is a severe direct threat for a certain segment of the Democratic Alliance's support base. And because of that, they think that they can push them into the arms of the uh, ANC and that will alienate people to vote for them. The reality is that the relationship between the Patriotic Alliance and the ANC is at lowest ebb at the moment. And by coincidence, because of a completely different thing that happened. Because the Patriotic Alliance came out unequivocally in support of Israel in the current conflict. And from the ANC's perspective, how can they cooperate and have a party in their midst that clearly supports Israel while the rest of them are pro-Palestine, etc., etc.? So that's yeah. a very interesting yeah. thing out there. But I've got no doubt, even if the Patriot, and, and my, my argument has been all along, if you know that the Patriotic Alliance is going to be a serious role player and they're going to be on the national level, they may be the party that sits with 15 seats that we may need perhaps at the end to get to 10, we don't know, mm. and in certain provinces. My view was bring them into the system now and make them part of what you're doing with, and in that process, to a certain extent, bind them policy-wise and take them with you. If you don't do that, you're strengthening their position to make the PA the kingmaker that can put demands on the table after the election and you're in a difficult position. That yeah. the PA is going to play a little role, there's no doubt about that. Do you need, and final question, Do, do does the multi-party charter, do the members of the multi-party charter, charter, do you need to trust each other? Yes, we do. We do. But the problem is this. Because we are different parties, there is also a deficit of trust. And the reason is this. The question is, are the parties in the multi-party charter committed and absolutely honestly committed to understand and to realize and say, I realize and I accept that as a fact 
that me, party A, party B, party C, on my own, will not be in, in, a, in a position where I can defeat the ANC and form the government on my own. I realize I need other partners combined. We can get strong, form a majority and get into power. And that's what we saw when we, we visited Germany, Denmark and other places to study coalitions. The largest party has got the most to lose. And it doesn't help to say, I'm, I'm bigger than you guys and you should all support me. It doesn't work that way. The largest no. party's got the most to lose, and because of that, the largest party in such a grouping should be the humblest. They should be the one that reaches out to the other, and that sometimes causes friction. But to answer your question, there needs to be trust. And what one finds in the end, the parties are there, the supporters are there, the structures are there. Individual leaders can make the difference by coming yeah. to an agreement and build a trust bond. We need that. I would like to see that big business becomes part of that, civil society becomes part of that, we can form a broad movement, we can turn the country around in 2024. Well, let's see Let's see what happens. And, and Courtney Mulder, thank you so much for joining me today. I really, really appreciate it. And, and thank you, or please, uh, thank you very much for listening. Um, I'll be back uh, before the, we all break for the, for the festive season. Um, and uh, I hope you'll join me again then on Podcast from the Edge. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye-bye.